Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to this week's episode of The Violin Podcast, where we interview violinists from around the world. I am your host, Eric Mugal, and I'd like to welcome you to today's episode. If you haven't done so already, if you're new to us, please make sure to hit the subscribe button, hit the bell notifications, so that you get notified for when new Violin Podcast episodes come out. really helps us out to create more amazing content for you. Today's episode is episode 49, and next week's episode will not feature a guest since we'll be celebrating 50 episodes on the Violin Podcast. And I'm excited for this episode because I'm going to be giving away some products on the Violin Podcast website to help you become a better violinist. So please subscribe to the podcast so that way you'll be the first to know regarding these product announcements. We also have a lot of resources on the Violin Podcast show notes, so I want to direct your attention over there because we have a lot of links to a lot of resources, violinpodcast.com. We also have links to various programs and services that we recommend on the Violin Podcast, which may earn a commission at no extra cost to you, but we just wanted to be upfront about that in case you do click on the link. In addition, we also have a YouTube playlist of violin tutorials. So I definitely want to direct your attention there and subscribe to both the Violin Podcast YouTube channel and my personal channel where you can find the latest and greatest on violin news, violin content, and so much more. So if you want to learn the violin or if you're just getting started, I want to help you. So click on those links below, subscribe to those channels so that way you can get the most out of those videos. Okay, let's get into today's episode. My guest today is the administrative director to Yargar Strings in Denmark. His name is Eric Martins. And Eric has generously given his time to me and to us on the Violin Podcast today to talk about Yargar Strings, how it was formed, how Yargar Strings thinks about strings. And this is a really interesting conversation because this is the first person I've talked to from a string company where I can finally pick someone's head and how they evolve string technology and more. So I'm happy to welcome today's guest, Eric Martins. Friends, I have a, a member of the Yargar Strings team with us on the Violin Podcast, Eric Martins, and he has generously given us his time today to talk about the world of strings. And I'm excited to talk to you today, Eric, because you're the first person on the Violin Podcast who I can finally pick uh, a brain when it comes to the string world. And let's just dive right in. How did you get involved with string making and with Yargar Strings? Like many other people, a bit by coincidence, you could say. I have a long history in the music business. I've been working in different management positions in the music industry for the last uh, nearly 20 years. And originally, I have a master degree in musicology and music from uh, musicology and, and French from University of Copenhagen. Uh, so you could say I have a background in, in in music, and I've been playing not both instruments, but instruments since I was six years old. So I have a, a, a you could say a very big interest in 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 
music, music creating, uh, you could say everything uh, about music. And this was the background you could say I had and used when I started working for for Yaga Strings. That's interesting. For musicology is an interesting topic for anyone who's listening to the violin podcast and they're thinking, what the heck is musicology? Musicology is when you're when you're studying about music of the past, when you're trying to find research on a particular composer, a particular genre of music. Is there was there any specific genre that you were interested in back in school in university? Uh, that interest you for musicology or was it everything you would say i listen to pop music rock music on the radio but but i'm a classical music music guy if you would say when when i was a child you could say my earliest child my child memory was my father playing classical music on the on the in a vinyl uh, and uh, and you would say in my childhood if we played something it was classical music we went to classical musical concerts uh, so it's you would say it's, it was mainly the classical music uh, that interested me also when when I started at university. You make a great point because musicology is not just the study of classical music. It could be musicology of pop, of rock, yeah. of hip hop. It's everything. Yeah. Musicology. We don't want to just like categorize just classical music. It's it's everything. You would say when when I started to at university in the very early nineties. It was you would say you would say classical music was you would say the main topic, and there was very little about you would say these more modern things like uh, blues, rock, pop, uh, whatever. So it was you would say mainly classical music and a bit of ethnomusicology. You would say ethnical music and the study of that of that type of music. But but during my my time at university, it already started to develop in a different direction, where you would say pop, rock, film music became a more important part of uh, of, of the studies, or you you were able to choose uh, studying about that. But you would say my main interest has already always been classical music. You could say also when I perform myself, it's always classical music. I'm you would say I've never played in a pop band, rock band, uh, only what was needed at university. We did have some, some, something, but, uh, but it's already, always been classical music. Surely. Yes. And you, <clears throat> might, you, you said a term ethnomusicology, some, uh, some people on the violin podcast who are listening may not know what ethnomusicology is and ethnomusicology is, um, was popularized by Bill Bartok and <clears throat> it's the study of folk folk tunes and just try yeah. and he was the first person that tried to actually record these folk tunes and obviously you can hear that in his music he tried to use these um these melodies and songs that were passed down vocally orally and he tried to record them and that's how ethnomusicology kind of became um a very niche topic in the world of musicology so there's musicology and then there's a sub niche called ethnomusicology for anyone who is interested in learning more about that bella bartok is the person to research but that's interesting that uh you know you you came from a classical music listening household were your parents musicians is that uh, how no no no, you could say, no 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 you would say i think it's a uh, it's it's i think it's a combination of many things but it's all it's of course it's a it's a question of a generation that that my parents uh, my parents my father died but but you would say my parents are both in the 80s today my father would be and my mother is 
And in at that time, classical music played a more important role. And they also grew up with the, you would say, classical music. So probably, probably something, something like that. But you could say we, you could say when in my childhood, my father he had two two different records with non-classical music. It was uh, a Louis Armstrong vinyl mm. and uh, a one with the Harry Belafonte singing Christmas tunes. <laughs> Otherwise, you could say we were, you could say only listening to classic music, a lot of opera. My father was a big opera fan. So, uh, and uh, I kind of inherited that. So I'm, I like opera as well, but, but classic m- music in general, I'm very, you could say versatile. I like everything from Baroque to the very modern things. So, uh, yeah. Classical music in the general sense, very, very general sense, people think orchestras, they think violins, violas, cellos, basses, woodwind section, brass section, like the whole thing. That's, Hmm. I feel like the majority of the population think of classical music, the whole orchestra. But people who are listening may not even realize how important a role string companies play in the lives of string players, violins, violas, cellos, basses. And I want us to talk about and dive into the string making process and your involvement in Yargar. So talk to us about the history of Yargar and what your role is in the company. Yargar Strings was founded in 1956. And it was in, in fact founded by a Danish cellist called Jarl Hansen, who, who was a cellist at the Royal Danish Theatre, which is kind of, you would say, kind of fun fact, is the oldest still existing orchestra in the world. Wow, uh, really? Yeah. So it's a yeah, it's a yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a yeah, still a, yeah, fun fact you could say. But and and at that time in the early fifties, he was playing mainly gut strings on his cello, and uh, as you could say, many of of the listeners here to the violin they might know that you could say gut strings. They're more unstable. They're more unreliable because climate, humidity, very dry climate. Uh, have an influence on on how the uh, the the gut strings uh, react, uh, and especially back then where the string technology wasn't as strong as it is today. And he had this thought: I should be able, or I I will invent a set of strings that has uh, many of the same you would say qualities from a sound perspective as the gut strings, uh, but I want something more stable. What I've heard from musicians playing together with Jarl Hansen, he died in the early 90s, so I never met him or I never knew him. He um, he did a lot of tr- trial and error, testing, making, uh, testing again, and some of it, of course, did sound horrible. <laughs> um, but you could say in, in 1956, he, um, he uh, you would say, had found a prototype where where he, he, this is this is uh, this is good. This is uh, something I would like to continue with, and uh, then he founded Yarka Strings. And you could say the basic, uh, you could say our basic cello set today, cello classic, is the same set as Jarl Hansen invented in the early fifties. And then you could say shortly after he founded the company, is starting to produce and and uh, manufacture cello strings and sell them. He also developed. Um, a, a, violin set, a viola set, and a double bass set. So he had the full range of strings for both instruments. 
and for you could say for quite a few years this was the, you would say the core business for Jager was the strings that 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 Jarl Hansen invented in the early 50s and still today you could say our classic cello A and D our violin E our viola A is our best soul strings and they were yes developed uh, in the early 50s you know you're going to have to forgive me for my ignorance but is there a particular meaning of the word yargar when when Jarl Hansen founded the company uh, he in the very early beginning he had a big business partner who was called Garfield So it was the first three letters in his own first name and the first three letters in his business partner's name. So it's J-A-R for Yal and G-A-R for Garfield. That's so brilliant. That, I love that. So, so that, you combine so that, both names and it's, you have Yargar. Yeah. And then, but you could say Garfield Mortensen, he was only part of the business for a very short period. And then he stepped out of the business and Yal Hansen continued the business on his, on him, uh, on his own. But still kept a name, and yeah, and I have to tell you, Eric, that I use Yargar strings. I I use Yargar E's, like you say, that your most most mm. popular string for violin E's. I I'm a fan of the blue label, the medium tension Yargar. Mm. E. I I love I love that one. That's my uh, daily driver, so to speak. You know, I always mm. rely on that string to be a really reliable one. And I also tried um, the the Yargar red label E string. Um, the high tension, but it just didn't match my instrument. So I always rely on the Yargar, you know, medium tension E string. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. gut strings were a big problem and because of this tuning stability because you're dealing with lamb gut sheep gut and those strings still exist out there but for the majority of the population people don't even realize how much string innovation that we've had since the 50s in terms of what kind of metal substances and uh, materials that we use can you talk about some of the metals that are involved in the tuning stability and the string making at Yargar without revealing much? Yeah. When it comes to strings, you would say there are three, three, four main types of core use in the technology. And uh, it's, you would say, steel core, solid steel core, which could be, you could say, different surfaces treated, the surface treated in different ways. You would say we use as a standard either templated steel core Uh, then there's the, the synthetic core, which is a relatively modern technology, uh, and was which was invented. You would say you would say Tomastic Enfield in Vienna was one of the first companies to to introduce that with the dominance, and that was you would say you would say it was a revolution for music industry or for the boat instrument industry with the with the with the with the synthetic core because you had many of the same you would say features as you had for 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 gut strings but you had the stability you would say much better tuning stability 
playability and easier to play with with the synthetic cores. And then, of course, you also you do use a rope cores, but that's mainly for cellos and double basses where where you use the rope cord technology. Uh, and then, of course, and then of course the gut the gut strings. But you could say what what you could say most of the companies who's producing producing uh, you could say steel core synthetic core strings like we do at Yaga they don't produce uh, some, uh, gut strings because it's a totally different technology it's a different um, way of uh, of uh, of especially making the gut core for the strings you would say the winding process is of course the same but the the the, the, the you would say the science of creating the the gut core is different and 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 you would say you you and then you would say a violin e is of course a steel core a plain steel core nothing else you could say um but when it comes to the lower strings they are always winded with one or several layers of it could be round wires uh, flat wires but always a flat wire on the top and when you you would say when when especially as a violinist you could say this this Many has experienced the the difference of playing with a with a, an aluminium wounded string and a silver wounded string, and this is you would say part of you and it's not you could say it's not a, a, you could say kind of secret in in uh, in the business, but 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 you could say with the alu wounded strings, wound strings you get this you would say more mellow, dark, warm sounding. And with the pure silver, you get a much more, much more brilliant uh, uh, sound. Um, but but you could say when it when it comes, you would say when when we are talking about flat wires, you would say they are tiny, tiny, tiny. Uh, you would say both in in the width and and uh, and the thickness of the of the flat wire. But you could say only small differences in the width and the thickness will change uh, mainly the you would say the tension of the strings and therefore it will also change the sound that you hear both being an audience in the in 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 the in the hall but also under your ear as a player this is amazing because i love the idea of every single string company has its own recipe and clearly yargar has thought about this yargar has their own special recipe to make their sound uh, really unique, but also work for the for the player. I know in my experience with uh, Yargar strings is that the the response of the E string is quite good. I never had a problem with e, the Yargar E strings like whistling. Usually with gold strings, like gold plated E strings, they tend to whistle even though they have like a mellow sound. But every time I played on Yargar again, but it's a daily driver. It for me is become a really reliable solution. I want to talk about some of the uh, string technologies that, you know, we've talked about some of the string technologies leading up to where we are now, but is there anything on the horizon that you see? Like, I don't know how much more innovative a string can be, but again, I'm not a, I'm not a head of a string company. Are, are there any Things that you are excited about in the future of string technology? I think I think in 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 many ways you would say all 
or what you can think about has have, have, have already more or less been invented, you would say. Of course, you can, you can always tweak a little bit. You could say, try new materials, uh, but, but, but you could say, but, but I think you would say most, most string manufacturing companies, they have, you would say, found the type of materials that they know works well for them. So from, from, you could say, from an inventing something completely new, I don't see anything, you would say, in, in, uh, in the pipeline right now that we have something totally new and uh, coming up, you would say. It's a question of, you would say, it's a question of, of you would say, putting the, the materials that you already know together in, 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 in different ways. And also, of course, tweaking and say what what would happen if you used a core that is slightly thicker, or we changed the diam the diameter, or you would say the width or the thickness of the of the flat wire on the top, uh, and and of course also you would say the whole to get this very very smooth surface that you had uh, you have on the lower violin strings. Uh, mm-hmm. You grind to some extent. You grind uh, grind the, the string so it feels nice under your finger when you are playing. And of course, the grinding process can also be done in 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 different ways. But basically, I think that that it will take a while before we see something completely new that we have never seen before in the string business. The, this is totally random, but I'm thinking of the the asteroid that's in the sky right now that nasa is trying to ship their rockets to and they're trying to mine this asteroid for precious rocks and materials how funny would that be if we can harness some of that even like a slither of that metal and have an asteroid coating (laughs) or asteroid (laughs) uh like an asteroid rock in the string of course i don't know how much that would cost uh, but I, i can see that being like a potential idea that'll be like a really big breakthrough, but that one Eastern alone could cost thousands of dollars just to, just to be able to exactly, get. Exactly. So it's not really a, a reliable business model in terms of, you know, continuing revenue and people buying your strings more and more over. Yeah. That's, that's interesting to, to know that perspective from head of the string company for someone who is involved in the string making technology. A lot of, it's similar to actually music. A lot of the music that has been composed, it's it's the same formula you know you have the tonic dominant tonic more or less everything if you're a, a believer in the shankarian analysis whatever comes before five eventually all things lead to five do, uh, the dominant and eventually happens to tonic so no matter how much you try to tweak a technology it's still more or less the same foundation and the core uh, materials that are involved maybe the there might be slight differences depending on each instrument and each player, but more or less, it's it's pretty much the same. So, mm. th- yeah, thank you for thank you for sharing your your thoughts on that. But I want us to go and transition to the more practical side of strings because string maintenance is a big topic. How long do strings or Let me rephrase that. How long should strings last, depending on how many hours, based on your experience and research at Yargar? You could say, I think, I think it's a very, you could say there's some basic, 
basic, you could say basic assumptions you can always uh, say, you would say, you could say a good synthetic core violence set. If you are a professional player and or, or wanting, wanting to be a professional player, so you rehearse quite a few hours per day, and, and you could say string players, they are known for rehearsing like uh, crazy. You could say they rehearse. It's not like a singer because there's limited time how, how, how many hours you can sing per day without damaging your voice. But as a string player, if you have a good, good technique holding the instrument and a good bowing technique, you could say you could play for 12 hours per day. Um, um, but, but you could say, I would say somewhere between 7 to 10, 12 weeks. Um, but of course, it does. It, it, it depends. It, you would say it also depends on how uh, the setup of your instrument. If you have a very tight setup, uh, you, it, it, it might be slightly, slightly shorter. And it's also, you would say, some musicians, you would say, when I talk to musicians, some have a very fine ear, where as soon as the string starts to deteriorate just a little bit, they hear the difference in the sound and they want to change the strings right away. Uh, and some, for some musicians, they're just, okay, hmm, I have a slightly different sound way, way it's, it sounds slightly different now, but it still sounds good. So, uh, so I'll keep them on. Uh, and it's also, you could say when, when, when you would say just an example, as far as I've heard, Joshua Bell is changing his strings once a week. Oh, uh, I can't, but and, I can't and imagine the, what the budget on that is. <laughs> And if you and and if he's really playing a lot, he's changing the E string even more often. It's a, you would say I've just I've, I've heard it, uh, and and you will also find that you would say absolute professional players, soloists uh, playing in orchestras, who might only change a few times a year, uh, also from a uh, from a financial standpoint, um, and and. And but you could say I would ideally, if you're a professional player, you're playing a lot. Uh, I would say, yes, seven to ten weeks, every seven to ten weeks, if you want to continue having the good sound. But sometimes you would say sometimes you can save a set by changing maybe only the E string because the moment you put it, you could say I think you you know it yourself. You would say when you put new strings on your violin, um, of course you need some time to play them in. But you get this rush of overturns, um, and by changing the 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 E string, you get this new rush of of overtones that might make the rest of the set last a little longer. Uh, not you would say from they're not deteriorated, but you 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 get the sensation of 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 of, of multiple overtones with just putting the new E string. On. I want to circle back on what you said about Joshua Bell, even if it's true, if it's not, um, you know, he may be changing strings, you know, once every two weeks or changing E strings pretty much every concert for soloists. He's probably making, he has a fixed fee for a performance. So, you know, spending that much on strings is a very tiny percentage of his overall world. So he's probably saying, you're probably thinking, oh my gosh, he's spending thousands of dollars on strings a year. But again, that's a very tiny um, part of his world. And also, you know, he plays on a Stradivarius. So he needs to maintain the the beautiful sounds of that instrument. Mm. And yeah, I would say um, based on my experience uh, in strings in general, that 
I would say that's a, around the same, like seven to 10 weeks. If there's a period where I'm not playing seven to 12 weeks, if I can stretch it a little bit, but I think for me as a, as a consumer and a player, I think what has helped me keep the longevity of the strings is just to have proper, just make sure you clean them, <laughs> make sure you clean them, make sure you take proper care of them. And, um, and, and I'm not, yeah, not too much rosin built up and everything. Yeah. And that's, that's of course that, 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 that is important as well, you could say. And it's, it, it, it's a combination. You could say there's, a, there's, a, you would say many, many, um, many, uh, many of, of the Yaga colleagues in the string business, uh, they have, you would say, developed a uh, cleaning agents, uh, uh, multiple thing. And, uh, you would say if, I, I don't have anything against it, but but you could say, in my opinion, the the, the best way to keep your strings good is just having a clean, soft tissue, where you every time you've played, and you lay your instrument back in in, in the case, you just wipe them with the with the with the dry soft uh, tissue, and no cleaning agent because you would say the cleaning agent it, it this you would say it could eventually damage the strings. Uh, uh, because because it could use some kind of normally some kind of chemical substance, but but you could say it's normally some kind of chemical substance, and you never know if it's it might be developed for from one string manufacturer, but you use it on another string manufacturer's strings, and you never know if there would be some kind of of substance in this cleaning agent that might damage the construction of the the strings you're using it on. And the other thing is that it's very easy to damage the varnish on your instrument, which would be a pity because uh, because uh, you would say you would lose some the beauty of the instrument if you if you if you do so. But the way you mount your strings to your instrument is also very important. You would say that you would say you you remember to use graphite on on the on, in the in the in the grooves on on the bridge and the upper knot so the strings glide easily over and you, you also take care how you put them in in you would say when you into the to the pegs and and you you would say basically you are you're very careful uh, how you mount the strings because that has an influence on the lifetime of the strings as well um, um, and and very often it's not you could say I, I clearly understand that you could say oh I need new strings or a string is breaking and very fast I need to put a new one on and blah 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 because I need to practice get on I have a concert in two days so I need to have time to play them in before the concert or whatever but 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 that that is as important as cleaning the strings it's also important to mount the strings uh, with care. I think that's a powerful tip for the audience to really keep in mind is using graphite, using a pencil on the grooves of the of the nut and the bridge of the violin. I think a lot of students forget that. They forget that really important step because it adds mm. as a lubricant. And just, again, it's part of keeping the longevity of your strings. And that, that's a that's a tip for any parent who's listening, who is trying to change strings for their child or for any teacher who just sometimes forgets to do it. It is a very important step. It's very tiny. You can grab a pencil anywhere, but making sure that the graphite is there on both on both the bridge and the graphite, really important. Mm. Um, I do want to, how do you feel about like rosin? Because rosin, I feel like every player has a specific 
preference when it comes to rosin and string combination. Does Yargar think about that when developing strings or when making strings? I mean, clearly these cello strings have been around since 1956. So I'm sure that the founder has thought about what kind of rosin he uses on his own strings. Are conversations made in the company when it comes to that, or it's not, it's up to the player? You would say, in fact, it's nothing, you would say it's nothing, um, you would say, we, we, first of all, we, you would say, I have thought about having a Yaga Rasen, you would say, that could be designed for a sub-brand, or you would say as an overall thing that 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 would work for 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 yaga but i don't you could say it's so far i haven't uh, haven't done anything about it you would say and i'm not a rosen maker myself i don't have the technology so i would need to buy that from a rosen making company that could design something for me we um you could say i so so normally in fact i don't recommend any specific rosen to be used to go together with the with Yaga. Because you would say like like the instrument, like your strings, Rosen is also something very personal. In a way, you would say you have you you would say you have maybe used the same Rosen for the last, I don't know, 10, 20, uh, 50 years for that sake. And you feel super confident with the with the this uh, this uh, this type of Rosen that you're using. And, and you feel it's a part of, of how you play and your playing style. So, so, so for me, when my general recommendation is that you use the rosin that you feel good about and you're used to using. Uh, because you could say, I don't have anything specific uh, I can recommend. I don't have, you could say, my own rosin brand. And it's also, and, 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 and I think when you talk to musicians, there's a lot of them who you would say I'm I'm a, I'm I'm I do have a chill myself at home, but I, I start playing as an adult, and I'm a really lousy cello player. Um, and when I started having classes, uh, you would say the first class I came with, I just bought a cheap Romanian cello, um, and put on of course some of my own strings, but still uh, still uh, still. And then the, for the first class uh, with, the, with, the, with my cello teacher, he said, oh, you need to buy a rosin myself, uh, yourself. Because, we, of course, for the first class, we used his uh, for the bow. And, and, and I said, what would you recommend? And he said, yeah, I'm always buying the darker ones. Uh, and I like this brand. And then I just ordered this online. And this is, you could say, this is what I'm using. And I think I think it's 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 very often like that. So um, and so so I think it's important. You would say, and if you're not happy with your rosin, try to experiment a little bit. You would say rosins are not as expensive as strings, so you are able to uh, to um, to 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 try different ones. I appreciate that answer because some companies who are string companies they want to. <clears throat> They want to have a little bit of market share in all aspects of the music business. Strings and then rosin, cleaning cloths, string cleaners. But I appreciate your answer, Eric, because there are, you're clearly a string company and you just focus on strings. It's the same thing like a luthier for a violin may not be the best for a, uh, a bow maker or a rosin maker may not be the same 
as a strings. So I like how Yargar is just dedicated to making the best quality strings and just focuses on that. This has been an amazing time to converse with you. How can people learn more about Yargar strings? You can follow us on social media, uh, uh, where you would say all new about Yaga, especially on Facebook and Instagram, is uh, is out. Uh, we share a lot of videos, uh, uh, different content, and and of course there's also our website. And in fact, we are right now in the process of making a new website, and it's it's ready very very soon. Um, so uh, so that's a possibility uh, possibility as well. And then, of course, if you if you would say I get a lot of emails from musicians, uh, violin makers around the world asking me different questions, and that is of course also an option to contact us directly, and uh, and uh, and ask uh, the questions that uh, that you are interested in. You could also learn more about Eric on our Violin Podcast website, violinpodcast.com. Click on the show notes link to be redirected to learn more about how you can get in touch with Yargar Strings and Eric directly. Eric, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for, uh, for your time today. Yeah, you're welcome. It was a pleasure.